Welcome to this week's episode of London Heal. I am your host, Tatiana Kosesinov. Well, love is in the air and Valentine's Day is just around the corner. So what better topic to choose to discuss this week than relationships and the importance of loving relationships and connections? I'm very happy and delighted to have as my guest this week, Fiorella Martin. Fiorella is a specialist in relationship transformations with over 16 years in private practice as a certified therapist and coach. As a survivor from a dysfunctional and disorganized family background herself, she has been an avid researcher and ongoing student of anything and everything around the connection between mental health and relationships. Fiorella is on a mission to help as many people as possible build and restore holistic health through building warm, loving relationships. Absolute perfect for the topic for this week. First of all, welcome, Fiorella. Thanks for taking the time to speak to me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I think this is a great topic. I love it. (laughs) So, Fiorella, Tell us a little bit about why you find this particular area so interesting and so important. We'll get on perhaps a bit more to the data and and the science, but how about from a personal perspective? Well, from a personal perspective, um, I think I'm an extrovert and I actually really love um, being around people. I get a lot of energy from it and from working with clients when I see them go from being um, frustrated and struggling um, with their relationships and then finally having them work, it's actually great satisfaction. I've also been able to resolve many of my uh, family issues uh, because of all the development and growth that I've done myself. And uh, RTT was a big part of that as well. Um, so, from a, um, I, I, I know what benefits are from going from not having good relationships and actually feeling that warmth of the family and connection and sense of belonging. And I think it's just tragic that at the moment we live in a world of lonely, isolated people that. Um, don't feel they belong and hardly ever get to talk to anyone through the week. Right. That's a really good point because, I mean, on the one hand, with the internet, we're all as much more connected than we ever were before, but that is an, a poor replacement for, for real human connections. I mean, I, I'm a strong believer in it's better than nothing, um, but when it's used in preference to uh, to warm relationships, I mean, somebody who has a thousand plus friends on Facebook, these are not friends, you know. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that, about what you're seeing with your clients? That, that Do you think that our modern methods of communication are actually leading to more disconnection? I actually feel that it's, it's a false type of relationship and all your relationships are online and that as social beings, we become healthier when we have physical connections. And those physical connections, when they're warm and supportive, really um, improve a person's state of being. They actually provide a, a sense of that someone has your back, that you can talk your day through with someone else, that someone is there to listen and um, when you choose your relationships wisely, you have people that you really enjoy being with and doing things with on a physical level. And that doesn't actually happen online. So to have fun, to have new experiences, to have that physical contact, because like we do need to have a sense of physical proximity to other human beings because our skin and our whole biology requires it and that soothes our mind and it soothes our stress levels so we replacing social connections and social friends um, replacing the personal relationships with that social landscape is actually not going to provide the health benefits that people really need 
Right. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. So what are the known um, downsides of, of not having loving relationships? Um, maybe, maybe before we actually go into that, we should actually have a look at the different types of relationships. I mean, in, in my book, if you like, there's, there's sort of the intimate relationships that one might have with a special person, a partner. Then you have the kind of relationships that you have with your friends and those you usually choose. And then you have the kind of relationships that you have with your family, which you don't choose. In fact, my father always used to say familiarity breeds contempt. <laughs> and that's often the case. And, it's, and they're often the relationships that can be the most trying. So um, can you maybe just, first of all, just, just define each one of those relationships and the kind of, the kind of um, boundaries in which they live, perhaps? One of the most important factors across the board is reciprocity. And reciprocity is a term that came about from the John Gottman research. And across the board, you can have ambivalent relationships, which means they're your good weather friend type relationship. And they can happen across from family or friends or co-workers. They're not real warm relationships. And the ones that you could probably count on, you could probably count on one hand. Um, where you can be vulnerable, there is trust and there is that sense of reciprocity that you're there for them and they're there for you. So irrespective of what the term is for the type of relationship you have, the basic fundamental of the quality of those relationships is about how you um, exchange those values and what time investment you have for the other person, how emotionally available you are for the other person. And that's one of the biggest problems in having quality relationships is people do not put enough quality time into relationships to be able to have the, the exchange and the warmth that you need to stay healthy and to feel supported uh, and valued and that you can be vulnerable with mm -hmm. because we're emotional beings and the emotional part of us needs to feel safe. Safety is a big factor in relationships and it's emotional safety that is a huge factor in relationships. So irrespective of the name tag of the relationship, the fundamentals are the same. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. So what about the negatives um, associated with having dysfunctional relationships? What impact does that actually have on your emotional, mental and physical health? Well, to answer that question, I can go to where does it come from? And from my experience and what I've observed, uh, it starts in the first few years of life where the person doesn't feel supported, doesn't feel seen, doesn't feel their needs are being met, they don't feel loved. The other end of the spectrum, there could be abuse and trauma. Uh, so they're the, the actual seeds of problems with relationships later on where people don't trust other people or they feel they need to avoid emotional closeness or uh, are anxious and um, codependent, all of them in, based in the same fear of rejection and abandonment. So the negatives of that kind of situation are where people actually are isolating themselves from the fear of getting hurt, fear of getting rejected, fear of abandonment. But consequently, the, it brings on a whole host of other problems because when you isolate and you're not getting your needs met, the tendency to overwork and get your sense of self-efficacy through your work and where you know, you're very efficient, you're very capable, and overachievers really do have some of these initial starts to life. The other part is that people usually use alcohol or food to give themselves what they need instead of having another human being with them. And, of course, there's the social media addiction as well. This kind of way of living produces a hyper-anxious state almost chronic anxiety, and the, that creates a whole host of chemicals and hormones which flood the system, 
which, as we all know, stress is, is the cause of many problems. And when someone lives in a sense of not feeling safe, of having to be hyper-anxious uh, about being close to other people, they're not getting their emotional connection needs met, then the inflammation sets in. Inflammation creates problems in our health and um, it causes um, diabetes, it causes um, uh, high blood pressure, um, it causes arthritis, many, many illnesses. And a lot of it can be traced back to the inflammation in the body, which comes in, in large portions from the stress hormones that are caused by anxiety and isolation as well. Yeah, I was just reading an article um, this morning, in fact, about um, the effects of, of uh, isolation and loneliness and stress on, on the microbiome, because we're now even beginning to understand how important the, uh, the neural exchange of information is between the gut and the brain. And, uh, you know, even your little bugs respond to being lonely. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Bruce Lipton created um, the science of epigenetics and he was able to determine that even the DNA in our system changes when we have different environments and different connections. Right. So, um, you know, there is a science that proves that now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a very interesting field. I think we're going to get a lot more research coming out on that. Um, you know, there's, there seems to be a massive influence. You can actually inherit kind of uh, uh, emotional and physical conditions from, from the way that you've, you behave. It's, it's hard to get your head around, but it's actually, it's actually true. Exactly. Great. So um, we're talking about loving relationships what, what you you've sort of um talked about that a little bit but i'd like to go a bit deeper into that what what really constitutes a loving relationship what what are the things that you need to experience within that relationship and also give into a relationship like that to be able to support a long-term loving relationship with another human being well Obviously, the healthier you are yourself emotionally and more conscious, um, the easier it is to have loving relationships, warm, loving relationships. But even with that factor, there's actually, an, uh, when you're coupled with someone who has uh, what's called a secure attachment style, let's say you're one of the people that is anxious and avoidant and has these, had these issues in childhood, when you actually pair up with someone who is a secure attachment style, they tend to provide you with a very safe environment where you can relax and, and you know, the anxiety drops and the hypervigilance drops and you feel in a safer space. In fact, a lot of the people that have connected with someone who is actually a secure attachment style, someone who's come from a loving family, is able to provide that and it actually calms the other person down. Um, they also put up with a lot more than other people, the secure attachment type partners. They, they actually will pursue and continue with a relationship much further and much longer than someone who um, may, maybe has other issues and doesn't have that, that strong base of being able to give um, so it's almost like a training platform for the person to learn to have a good, loving, warm relationship because this person already comes with this resource that can teach them and allow them to have this, this new behaviour by providing the model. So um, the most important part about relationships, even after you choose someone who is, say, a good partner is to have a system whereby you take time for the relationship you take time to talk about things at the end of the day you take time to have your day at night you take time to be emotionally available on those conversations to be able to listen to the other person um, there's a there's a little formula that it's about the five magic hours per week 
And this is about connecting in the morning before you go to work, connecting in the evening when you come back, having your two-hour date night and perhaps even a whole weekend on a regular basis with your partner. Because the tendency is once we get very comfortable, like you said before, familiarity, if you're free to intend, um, there's a there's an, um, a first wave of falling in love, which is called the anaesthetic phase, which comes from Freud. Uh, and that's actually designed for the old brain to bond and to procreate. But that can last anything from six weeks to um, 18 months, if you're lucky. And hopefully you haven't had any children in the time because once that goes away, you actually are now in a more conscious, aware state and you actually see the person for who they really are. The thing is, if if you haven't installed a system that allows you to keep the relationship fresh and the connection there where you actually have time for each other and that's become a system within the relationship, the tendencies for work or children or other things Takeover. People let themselves go. They don't bring their best self to the relationship. When they come home from work, they usually bring home the leftovers, and they just want to relax and chill out. And so people stop taking care of themselves. So in a good relationship, in a warm, loving relationship, there is a conscious effort, a conscious intention to put the relationship at a very high priority, so other things don't get in the way. And like everything else that's important in life. When we make time for it, we tend to have a better quality result. Right, right. Something that you said there very, um, very much reminded me of the message of Esther Perel, who is who is now, um, I think, recognised as as a absolute yeah. major authority on on personal relationships. And one thing that she always talks about, which I think makes immense sense is that modern relationships have pressures on them that they never had before. I mean, we live much longer, so we're going to be together much longer than we used to be. Um, in the old days, relationships were more designed as a kind of a practical pact, and um, whereas nowadays we, we put love as the center of our relationships. And also, we're amazingly demanding within relationships. We expect our partner to fulfill all of our needs, which is kind of unrealistic. So can you maybe address those points and and sort of like counter strategies perhaps? Because I think that that's something that's really important. Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned Esther Perel because I'm a great, great follower of Esther. I admire her work um, immensely. And I'm also a follower of, um, you know, I've studied the Gottman research and I followed that as well. I also have looked at and followed um, John and Misty Baker. I've done uh, their life book series and when you look at the current modern world of relationships, it is the most difficult time to navigate relationships like you said. So it, it takes a lot more consciousness and a lot more effort to be able to have a good relationship. Because, and I am going to mention John and Missy Baker because they actually have an amazing relationship. They're in their 50s. They have children and grandchildren, but they have managed to stay in love for the whole time. Why? Because they actually make a relationship. One of the 12 sectors of what they uh, believe is the life composition of 12 sectors is actually relationships and relationships like everything else, like a job, like exercise, health and fitness require a system, which is what I've said before, to be able to invest in the relationship where you are 100% there when you are with your partner and to create new experiences. One of the things that Esther Perel is really famous for is the infidelity aspect of relationships. Uh, She's written several books. And, you know, when familiarity happens, passion goes out the window. So one of the things that I would say is that to use a system whereby you keep the relationship fresh, which, again, means investing time to have these new experiences with your partner where the system provides the going away overnight weekend somewhere else where you create special atmosphere for your special date night, it actually has to be an investment of time, creative energy, um, 
an investment in what you want to have be the quality of your relationship. So the tendency is to go off track because other things take over unless you make a conscious effort to have this aspects of your relationship, this investment of time, this investment of energy, and it's creative energy. I think it was Harville Hendricks and um, his wife that mentioned that, you know, the relationship dynamic needs to have a creative dynamic because if you're not creatively um, growing and evolving your relationship, then as we live in a world of deconstruction, Anything that needs to be maintained, we need to actually create a method, a system, a decision and consistent action to keep it in a state of good repair, good quality, good standards. I mean, you look at, for example, the, I'll use the metaphor of, of a house, right? A house, even if it's brand new, the moment it's finished is in a constant stage of decomposition. So we need a system to keep it clean, we need the system to fix things that are broken, um, retouch the paint when it starts to deteriorate or, or it needs, you know, like it's a constant, and our body as well. Our body is another system that if we're not eating the right food, sleeping enough, keeping ourselves uh, in shape, exercising, and getting all of those physical and emotional needs met, we do tend to go into disrepair. Right, at a, at a cellular level, right. if that makes sense. Absolutely. So I, I always look at these these um, other examples to look at how we need to really elevate relationships to a whole other level and actually incorporate a system where we constantly create and grow relationships. I remember once um, someone said that one of the best things you can say in a relationship uh, even when you start, let's create some memory. And when you look at the um, the aspects of creating memories, it means that you're creating experiences. And those experiences means that you see your partner in a different perspective in those new environments, through those new activities that you're doing. And it actually uh, grows your interest in that person. It makes you see that person new. Again, which is what Esther Perel talks about. It's, it's the reason you people tend to go off and have affairs, not because they want to have an affair or because you know the other the partner they're no longer in love with their partner, but it's because they want to regain that sense of aliveness of themselves, which actually happens when you have a new experience, a new interest, something fresh, something new. And what I admire John and Missy Baker with is that they actually have managed to do that for the whole married life. Right. Yeah. It's just one hell of an achievement. When we look at the divorce rates these days, um, yeah. it would appear that we're really just not very good at this. Um, so... I would like to start maybe um, addressing how we can we can fix things once they've gone wrong, because a lot of the time, you know, you've talked a lot about what you can invest in order to keep a new relationship alive and vital. But oftentimes people are going to be coming from a place where a relationship is broken and it needs repair um, if it can be saved at all. Um, and I think one of the very first places that that starts is obviously in communication. And I think a lot of people make mistakes about the way they communicate with each other i am not a fan of the men are from mars women are from venus camp but i think there are perhaps a few gender differences in as much as there are generational differences in the way that we communicate with each other but what in your eyes are some strict do's and don'ts in in trying to resolve issues conflicts trying to patch up a relationship well when a relationship goes off track, both people need to take responsibility for the part they've played in where the relationship has ended up. It's not just one person's um, responsibility because it usually takes two. An example of that is let's say that um, for a long time a, a woman puts all her energy and focus on the children and sees that time with her partner is not as important because she hasn't got the time or the energy 
or inclination and he's busy with work and then he starts playing golf, you can just see, you know, the the collateral damage that's about to happen with that continuing on and on and on. So when someone finally gets someone who wants to listen to them and has an intimate conversation and that conversation takes place more than once, they start to feel that someone's interested in them and they, that kind of initial interest and, and conversation, innocent as it may be, makes them feel that someone cares and then they go off and potentially it becomes um, uh, an affair. doesn't mean they don't love their partner. So when things have gone off track, and I've had several clients in those situations where they're heading for divorce because uh, or you know, separation and divorce because of things that have gone off track. The, the problem that we, we discussed before is still the same. So how do you get people back on track? Well, both of them have to say to each other, I'm sorry for the part that I played in hurting you and not being present in the relationship. So it, it needs to be an accountability of what each partner's role has been in, you know, because even the fact that you're not emotionally available or physically available for your partner because you're spending all your time with your children uh, and taking care of the house, etc. in a way you've already betrayed your partner, right? And mm -hmm. people say, oh, no, he was the one that was, um, you know, that was that went off and had the affair, that, that he, it's his fault. What about you? Were you available for him? Were you able to see him at the end of the day? Were you able to spend time with him? Like that's where the first, um, I suppose, betrayal happens. So to get it back, you both have to ha acknowledge what happened, acknowledge that you both take responsibility for the part you played and come from a place of compassion, empathy and wanting to repair. Because the other thing is repair attempts are only valid by the person that receives the repair attempt. So if someone says, I'm sorry, I wasn't there for dinner last night, here's a bunch of flowers. Well, that may not work because you may not have enough emotional units in the other person's bank account, uh, emotional account. So uh, that may not be enough. It's going to take a lot more than that if you've not consistently been emotionally available for your partner. So, and I'm still talking about the problem. The solution is to be able to acknowledge all of what's happened, having an acceptance of, yes, we stuffed this up. How do we get back on track? How we get back on track is to actually make a vision for the relationship, make a plan for how we want the relationship to be, to talk about each other's needs, and what needs to be done to address those needs. And unless you are able to have those conversations and want to have those conversations, then maybe the relationship is too far gone. But both people have to be interested in wanting to have the repair attempt and right. to have the, the communication and to have the conversation and actually be physically uh, and emotionally available. Because the, the great tragedy of a breakup, um, I, when I was in Australia, I helped a lady who was very intelligent, 61, double degree criminal lawyer, and she was married to a um, politician. And she found out very late in the marriage that he'd been having affairs with not just one person, but two and then a third person. And she only found out through the... Um, uh, technology change and she came to me because she said I don't want to be single at 61 and I don't want to break up my family how do I get around this how do I deal with these emotions so I was able to help her to stay in the marriage and things changed and they're still together so it is possible and sometimes you know one person has to be the hero and then be able to acknowledge that things have to change not sure if 
uh, even the love languages would help here because um, I was actually yeah. just about to bring those up because I I actually yeah. love, I love the love languages. I for me yeah. that was a total total wow when I came across them. So yeah. can you actually maybe go ahead and talk about that a little? Yeah. So the love languages was created, and I can't remember his name. I'm sorry, but I actually <laughs> have studied it and read the book. Um, the the love languages is about finding out what your partner's love language is, and what that means is that. Even though you might think that your love language is about giving flowers or giving gifts and that makes the other person feel loved, it may not be what the other person requires to feel loved. And to feel loved, there's uh, five different types of love languages. I've mentioned gifts. Uh, the other one is words of affirmation, like saying to someone, oh, wow, that was a really great thing you did. I'm so grateful that you fixed that or let's say if it's a woman saying it to a man um, you're my hero I'm, you know, I'm so grateful and so that's a positive uh, affirmation which is about the words of affirmation the other one is having quality time together so actually doing things together and having fun together um, physical contact is the other one and then uh, acts of service acts of service is about that if you're struggling getting all the chores done and then your partner comes and says, what do you need me to do and actually does it for you, that comes across as, a, as an act of service and that he really loves you because he wants you to have less of a load. So they're the five love languages. And marriages have been saved by one person only discovering the love language of the other person and actually doing it and doing it. And the other person fell in love with them again, you see. So it's a very, very great tool to use uh, if you see problems starting in the relationship. So it's really just, um, it's a way of, of how you communicate your, your feelings for the other person, but not necessarily verbally. I mean, obviously the words of affirmation is verbal, but some people actually express love not through verbal communication, but through other methods. And it's just being aware of that and, and being aware of which particular languages of love each one of the partners um, prefers and, and expresses themselves and wants to, also most importantly, I think, wants to receive love in that way as well, right? Yeah. One of the clues about the other person's love language, and of course there, there are tweaks to this, is how do they express love to you? Because if they're choosing one of the languages and they're doing it towards you, even though it might not be what your preferred love language is, that's usually the one that they would consider is an act of love towards them. Right. So if husband is always buying you presents, then buying him presents back is going to make him feel like you love him, right? Yeah. I mean, it's always good to actually go through the love languages or actually have the question of, you know, where you're going to come into a little bit of snag there is some, someone who's neighbourly grown up and not really have felt loved, but hopefully the people that are in a relationship have had some sort of sensation of that someone cared and someone loved them through one of these five ways. And then you would be able to find out and start doing it. And it's interesting because that doesn't require a lot of verbal communication, like you said, but it's very, very effective. Yeah, particularly, I think, because some people really have problems expressing themselves verbally, right? Yeah. So it's interesting you say about communication. One of the difficult things about communication is not the actual words themselves. It's actually not wanting to experience the feeling. Okay, that, expand on that a little. Come, come with that. So... The, the feelings that can get in the way is the fear that the other person's not happy. And this is usually from the inside. So having a conversation about something usually is like warning <laughs> something's wrong, that person's not happy. Because communication, when we're talking in the context of a relationship, is usually to resolve something or fix something or express your feelings, uh, express your needs, and many people just don't have the, the ability to just sit with what is it that they need and be able to 
express it in a way that doesn't sound um, like they're blaming their partner. And then, of course, there's women who don't know how to ask for what they need and what they want, and they need to learn that. Men are much better at, I think, asking for what they want, but they're not as good at... A lot of women are not that great at experiencing feelings or expressing feelings because there is that fear that you'll get judged or that fear that the other person um, will create an argument or defensive or reactive um, if it's not approached in a very calm and adult and conscious way. That's, that's actually a great way to approach it. Like I would love to be able to have this and this happen and that would make me feel such and such if you did that. Right. Something so, like that. Because you, know? you can never assume that the person that you're with is actually reading your mind. Right. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Nobody, nobody is a mind reader. And uh, it's better to be able to, to express what you would like to change or improve rather than keep it to yourself because that becomes expressed in a, in a very sabotaging way and um, it comes out in other ways when, when you're resentful, when you're not happy. Um, there's also certain assumptions that can be taken on, oh, they're doing that because of this, this and this. And it's this internal conversation that's usually an assumption, which is usually wrong. And a lot is resolved by just having the conversation and just keeping it light and without accusing, without right. not blaming, not judging. Not Which blaming. is not always easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked a lot about what people can do um, to support a new relationship, to, to keep a, an existing relationship alive and vibrant, maybe a little bit of what to do when a relationship starts to break down. However, one thing which I think we need to just briefly discuss before we we close is I'm a strong believer that you cannot have healthy relationships with other people unless you have a healthy relationship with yourself. And that has got to be where it starts. And that's actually really where you do most of your work. So can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yes, or pretty much all the clients that I get have um, some sort of uh, past that affects them in their ability to have to love themselves. And love themselves is quite a broad term and is used a lot. And most people don't even know what that means. So when someone feels love and care for themselves, they have healed a lot of the wounds from the past if they've been wounded in the past. And in the case of my clients, if they have felt abandoned, rejected, traumatised, abused, you know, the gamut. I've had the whole gamut. So to rebuild that inner um, self, which is the, the hurt child inside each person, um, you actually need to start being inside your body and being present with that part you need to stop being the child yourself but actually step into the adult part of yourself and unless you make that distinction of being the parent to that part that was hurt uh, you from that position of being the parent to that child part that was hurt you're then able to have a sense of protection uh, loving caring towards that part that was hurt. And once that part feels safe and secure, it actually allows for less reactivity and the ability to ask for what you want, the ability to, to be emotionally available for someone else. Because the self-value, self-love, self-respect, self-care allows the person to come from a much more resourceful place to be available for someone else. And this is why the saying goes, because it's true that unless you're able to love yourself, it's very difficult to love someone else. If you've not had good models of love, it becomes like, give me, give me, give me, give me, 
uh, like a little child. And this projection can happen in work environments as well, uh, where they will kind of project onto other people a parental role um, where they get to be the child. And when that's not resolved, anxiety actually lives in that hurt child because people who have anxiety um, don't feel safe. And the only way that the person can feel safe is when they're in the adult self, where they're, they're the ones that are driving the car of their life and not letting a three-year-old drive the car of their life. Anxiety lives with the fear of what's going to happen in the future. And so when you're in the present, when you're conscious, when you're stable within yourself, first of all, you treat yourself better, but you're also more able to give from a, an, an empathy, compassionate, loving, available self because you're already given to yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And you're just fundamentally not needy, which I think is 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 the case for a lot of people that and um they don't realise it. And it's actually kind of quite unattractive. You know, it's it's actually ironically the, when you come across a needy person, it's often the thing that actually repels you from them. But the needy person yeah. themselves is so needy they don't really recognise that that's even happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So is there anything that you feel that we haven't discussed that is kind of like a maybe like a little take home nuggets for for people listening you know what are just a couple of tips and tricks that they can put into place even if they have feel that they're having good relationships they can always be better um so what what couple of things could you give as as wise words to to our valentine listeners out there um how to make relationships that they have better Okay, so because we were talking about making relationships better rather than the single people that we deal with, um, I always would advise, first of all, to make time for yourself and give to yourself and have time with your friends, uh, have a massage, take care of your health. Because when you give um, to yourself, you're actually creating really positive, healthy, happy hormones. And when you're a healthy, happy, in your vibrant, alive self, then that actually allows your partner to be much more relaxed um, because they don't feel responsible for your happiness. So that would be a really, really important way to show yourself love and to also be your happy, loving self in a relationship. Number one, um, if someone is feeling a little bit stressed, it's a good idea to actually listen maybe to a meditation 10 minutes before entering into the, the couple situation so that you relax from the day. And, yeah, I mean, taking care of your health, taking care of making sure you have interesting and warm relationships with others where it, it all comes from yourself. And so taking time with your partner to make sure that you're both present. I mean, we've already covered that. Uh, but they're very basic things, sleeping well, eating well, taking care of your needs, having massages, going shopping with the girls. With anything that makes you feel happy in yourself is going to make you a much better partner. Right. And you mentioned that, so no, that's also an important point. Let's address that too. What about people who are not in, a, in an intimate relationship? How, how can they um, satisfy their needs for human contact? Is our friends enough? Friends, um, having interest groups, for example, if they have an activity that it, they're really passionate about. In fact, a lot of people meet at interest groups where they actually are going there to have or do a, an activity or a passion that they're interested in or listening to something that they're interested in. Usually meetup groups or special interest groups are where you get some of your values met, um, your passions met, and often there will be people there that are interested in the same thing and things can get sparked. The other way of, um, well, self-care still 
is very important in a single's life, but having friends and having social contacts that you enjoy doing things with and going out and doing fun things together are um, definitely the, 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 the framework where your life sits on. To have a great life, you need to be doing things that you love to feel that the things that you do are giving you energy and aliveness and, and happiness within yourself. And interestingly, when you do have that kind of lifestyle set up, you're much more likely to attract someone who is a good fit for that life as well. Great. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Fioretta. I always have three little questions that I ask all of my guests um, on the yeah. show. London Heal is about mind, body, spirit medicine, and I like to um, capture those ideas in, in the world, words health, happiness, and serenity. So first of all, health. What does that word actually mean for you? How would you define health? For me, health is having the focus of mind, physical energy, sense of aliveness and enthusiasm for the things that I've chosen to invest my time in. Right. Great answer. And what about happiness? What does Fiorella do to get happy? What makes you happy? I am very aware of the things that are my top values and I make sure that the things that I love, which I like, I'm, I'm always have music on. I always use creativity in any learning process. Um, I love movies. I love spending time with friends. I love going on holidays where it's warm. <laughs> <laughs> I love dancing and I love painting. So I have actually, I'm lucky that I have a lot of things that I really enjoy doing. And I choose to live my life completely on my own terms. And that happiness is my responsibility. And I choose to invest in the way that my mind is, the way that my body is, and the things that I'm doing to create my own happiness. Wonderful advice for everybody out there. Absolutely. And serenity, the last one. I would say that, you know, in this crazy, crazy totally distracting world that we live in um, sometimes it's really important to turn down the noise um, do you have a spiritual practice you mentioned meditation yeah. before um, how do you how do you find those moments of serenity my moments of serenity definitely come with my meditation practice that I have morning and before dinner twice a day I also make sure that at some point through the day I have time to reflect and just be with myself without any other distractions, just to reflect and to just be in my body and to be with myself and to be very conscious of the tactile aspects of being in my body. And that encompasses mindfulness, a sense of being so present, so here in the moment, and that no thought of the past or the future actually enters that space. And because I've been doing this for over 30 years, I've become really good at it. <laughs> so I, I can create serenity when I'm connecting. And it can actually even happen on a beach where I'm walking with my feet in the sand and being very conscious of, you know, the contact with the sand or looking at the ocean uh, or even where I'm lucky to live now, just walking around the streets of me, um, I just feel filled with a sense of um, enjoyment and uh, fulfilment uh, because I'm very, I have a very visual aspect to who I am. And so um, being in the present and appreciating my surroundings gives me a sense of serenity as well. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. Keep doing what you're doing. It's wonderful work. Um, it's so important for people. We are social animals, you know, first and foremost. And um, we really need good connections with other people. And someone like you is really helping make that happen. And so thank you. I acknowledge you for your work. And please keep on doing good work. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Tatiana. 
You're more than welcome. And we'll put in the show notes um, any ways that you can contact Fiorella. um, And we'll hopefully talk again very soon. Take good care. So, dear listeners, I hope you enjoyed our Valentine's edition of London Heal as much as I did. I think human relationships are so vitally important. Um, I think I even posted a while ago on Facebook about how... uh, not having human relationships, that loneliness was in fact worse for your health than smoking. So when you think about that, I think it's really important. And I think most of us and a lot of us struggle with isolation. We struggle with making the relationships we do have work. And I would really, really appeal to you that if you are struggling, look for help because there's plenty out there. There are wonderful people like Fiorella. Um, Fiorella, for example, also works online. Um, and there are people out there who can support you. It's not a failure to admit that you need help in understanding how to navigate relationships. They are very, very complicated. And we've made many demands on other people in our lives that perhaps we can't always fulfill. And the whole topic of self-care, of course, is a continual message that we have here on London Heal. So please take it very seriously, because I really do believe that if you can't actually have a good relationship with yourself, then it's difficult to have good, meaningful relationships with other people. So, dear listeners, please, as always, rate and review us on iTunes. And if you find this information interesting or think there's somebody else that might find it interesting, please pass it on. I always say share shamelessly. Um, because the more people that you give this information to, the more people that can benefit from it get to see it. Also, check us out over on our Facebook page, like our page, please, and um, be f- feel free to share any of the posts that are of interest to you. That's what we're there for, open flow of information. And that leaves me as, oh, one thing I forgot, if you would like to have extended podcast notes, then please go ahead and sign up as a London Heal Insider over at londonheal.com. And for all future episodes, you will get a notification with all the links to how you can access a podcast, plus exclusive access to extended show notes. So now that really does leave me just to wish you, as always, especially perhaps in this week of love being in the air, health, happiness and serenity.